chapter thirteen part one of cleopatra by georg ebers translated by mary j safford this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirteen during these hours of rest iris and charmian had watched in turn beside cleopatra when she rose the younger attendant rendered her the necessary services she was to devote herself to her mistress until the evening for her companion who now stood in her way was not to return earlier before charmian left she had seen that her apartments in which barine since the queen had placed her in her charge had been a welcome guest were carefully watched the commander of the macedonian guard who years before had vainly sought her favour and finally had become the most loyal of her friends had promised to keep them closely yet iris knew how to profit by her mistress's sleep and the absence of her aunt she had learned that she would be shut out of her apartments and therefore from barine also ere any step could be taken against the prisoner she must first arrange the necessary preliminaries with alexis the failure of her expectation of seeing her rival trampled in the dust had transformed her jealous resentment into hatred and though she was her niece she even transferred a portion of it to charmian who had placed herself between her and her victim she had sent for the syrian but he too had gone to rest at a late hour and kept her waiting a long time the reception which the impatient girl bestowed was therefore by no means cordial but her manner soon grew more friendly first alexis boasted of having induced the queen to commit barine's fate to him if he should try her at noon and find her guilty there was nothing to prevent him from compelling her to drink the poison cup or having her strangled before evening but the matter would be dangerous because the singer's friends were numerous and by no means powerless yet in the depths of her heart cleopatra desired nothing more ardently than to rid herself of her dangerous rival but he knew the great ones of the earth if he acted energetically and brought matters to a speedy close the queen to avoid evil gossip would burden him with her own act antony's mood could not be predicted and the syrian's weal or woe depended on his favour besides the execution of the singer at the last adonis festival might have a dangerous effect upon the people of alexandria they were already greatly excited and his brother who knew them said that some were overwhelmed with sorrow and others ready in their fury to rise in a bloody rebellion everything was to be feared from this rabble but philostratus understood how to persuade them to many things and alexis had just secured his aid alexis had really succeeded in the work of reconciliation during the orator's married life with barine she had forbidden her brother-in-law the house and her husband had quarrelled with the brother who sought his wife but after the latter had risen to a high place in antony's favour and been loaded with gold by his lavish hand philostratus had again approached him to claim his share of the new wealth and the source from which alexis drew flowed so abundantly that his favourite did not find it difficult to give both men were as unprincipled as they were lavish and experience taught them that base natures always have at their disposal a plank with which to bridge chasms if it is of gold it will be crossed the more speedily such was the case here and of late it had become specially firm for each needed the other's aid alexis loved barine while 
philostratus no longer cared for her on the other hand he hated dion with so ardent a thirst for revenge that to obtain it he would have resigned even the hope of fresh gains the humiliation inflicted upon him by the arrogant macedonian noble and the derision which through his efforts had been heaped upon him haunted him like importunate pursuers and he felt that he could only rid himself of them with the source of his disgrace without his brother's aid he would have been content to assail dion with his slandering tongue with his powerful assistance he could inflict a heavier injury upon him perhaps even rob him of liberty and life they had just made an agreement by which philostratus pledged himself to reconcile the populace to any punishment that might be inflicted upon barine and alexis promised to help his brother take a bloody vengeance upon dion the macedonian barine's death could be of no service to alexis the sight of her beauty had fired his heart a second time and he was resolved to make her his own in the dungeon perhaps by torture she should be forced to grasp his helping hand all this would permit no delay everything must be done before the return of antony who was daily expected alexis's lavish patron had made him so rich that he could bear to lose his favour for the sake of this object even without it he could maintain a household with royal magnificence in some city of his syrian home on receiving the favourite's assurance that he would remove barine from charmian's protection on the morrow iris became more gracious she could make no serious objection to his statement that the new trial might not it is true end in a sentence of death but the verdict would probably be transportation to the mines or something of the sort then alexis cautiously tested iris's feelings towards his brother's mortal foe they were hostile yet when the favourite intimated that he too ought to be given up to justice she showed so much hesitation that alexis stopped abruptly and turned the conversation upon barine here she promised assistance with her former eager zeal and it was settled that the arrest should be made the following morning during the hours of charmian's attendance upon the queen iris had valuable counsel to offer she was familiar with one of the prisons whose doors she had opened to many a hapless mortal whose disappearance in her opinion might be of service to the queen she had deemed it a duty aided by the keeper of the seal to anticipate her mistress in cases where her kind heart would have found it difficult to pronounce a severe sentence and cleopatra had permitted it though without commendation or praise what happened within its walls thanks to the silence of the warder never passed beyond the portals if barine cursed her life there she would still fare better than she iris who during the past few nights had been on the brink of despair whenever she thought of the man who had disdained her love and abandoned her for another as the syrian held out his hand to take leave she asked bluntly and dion he cannot be set free was the reply for he loves barine nay the fool was on the eve of leading her home to his beautiful palace as its mistress is that true really true asked iris whose cheeks and lips lost every tinge of colour though she succeeded in maintaining her composure he confessed it yesterday in a letter to his uncle the keeper of the seal in which he entreated him to do his utmost for his chosen bride whom he would never resign but zeno has no liking for this niece do you wish to see the letter then of course he cannot be set at liberty replied iris and there was additional shrillness in her voice 
he will do everything in his power for the woman he loves and that is much far more than you who are half a stranger here suspect the macedonian families stand by each other he is a member of the council the bands of the ephebi will support him to a man and the populace he lately spoiled the game of your brother who was acting for me in a way he was finally dragged out of the basin of the fountain dripping with water and overwhelmed with shame for that very reason his mouth must be closed iris nodded assent but after a short pause she exclaimed angrily i will help you to silence him but not for ever do you hear theodotus's saying about the dead dogs which do not bite brought no blessing to any one who followed it there are other ways of getting rid of this man a bird saying that you were not unfriendly to him a bird then it was probably an owl which cannot see in the daylight his worst enemy your brother would probably sacrifice himself for his welfare sooner than i then i shall begin to feel sympathy for this dion i saw recently that your compassion surpassed mine death is not the hardest punishment is that the cause of this gracious respite perhaps so but there are other matters to be considered here first the condition of the times everything is tottering even the royal power which a short time ago was a wall which concealed many things and afforded shelter from every assault then dion himself i have already numbered those who will support him since the defeat at actium the queen can no longer exclaim to that many-headed monster the people you must but i entreat the others the first considerations are enough but may i be permitted to know what my wise friend has awarded to the hapless white from whom she withdrew her favour first imprisonment here at lochius he has stained his hands with the blood of caesarium the king of kings that is high treason even in the eyes of the people try to obtain the order for the arrest this very day whenever i can disturb the queen with such matters not for my sake but to save her from injury away with everything which can cloud her intellect in these decisive days first away with barine who spoiled her return home and then let us take care of the man who would be capable for this woman's sake of causing an insurrection in alexandria the great cares associated with the state and the throne are hers for the minor ones of the toilet and the heart i will provide here she was interrupted by one of cleopatra's waiting-maids the queen had awakened and iris hastened to her post as she passed charmian's apartments and saw two handsome soldiers belonging to the macedonian bodyguard pacing to and fro on duty before them her face darkened it was against her alone that charmian was protecting barine she had been harshly reproved by the older woman on account of the artist's daughter who had been the source of so many incidents which had caused her pain and iris regretted that she had ever confided to her aunt her love for dion but no matter what might happen the upas tree whence emanated all these tortures anxieties and vexations must be rooted out stricken from the ranks of the living ere she entered the queen's ante-room she had mentally pronounced sentence of death on her enemy her inventive brain was now busy in devising means to induce the syrian to undertake its execution if this stone of offence was removed it would again be possible to live in harmony with charmian dion would be free and then much as he had wounded her she would defend him from the hatred of philostratus and his brother 
she entered the queen's presence with a lighter heart the death of a condemned person had long since ceased to move her deeply while rendering the first services to her mistress who had been much refreshed by her sleep her face grew brighter and brighter for cleopatra voluntarily told her that she was glad to have her attendance and not be constantly annoyed by the same disagreeable matter which must soon be settled in fact charmian conscious that no one else at court would have ventured to do so had never grown weary spite of many a rebuff of pleading barine's cause until the day before cleopatra in a sudden fit of anger had commanded her not to mention the mischief-maker again when charmian soon after requested permission to let iris take her place the following day the queen already regretted the harsh reproof she had given her friend and while cordially granting the desired leave begged her to attribute her angry impatience to the cares which burdened her and when you show me your kind faithful face again she concluded you will have remembered that a true friend withholds from an unhappy woman whom she loves whatever will shadow more deeply her already clouded life this Barine's very name sounds like a jeer at the composure I maintain with so much difficulty. I do not wish to hear it again. The words were uttered in a tone so affectionate and winning that Charmian's vexation melted like ice in the sun. Yet she left the queen's presence anxious and troubled, for ere she quitted the room, Cleopatra remarked that she had committed the singer's affairs to Alexis. She was now doubly eager to obtain a day's freedom for she knew the unprincipled favourite's feelings towards the young beauty, and longed to discuss with Archibius the best means of guarding her from the worst perils. When, at a late hour, she went to rest, she was served by the Nubian maid who had accompanied her to the court from her parents' home. She came from the cataract, where she had been bought when the family of Alpius accompanied the child Cleopatra to the island of Philae. Anukis was given to Darmian, who at the time was just entering womanhood, as the first servant who was her sole property and she had proved so clever skilful apt to learn and faithful that her mistress took her as her personal attendant to the palace charmian's warm unselfish love for the queen was equalled by anukis's devotion to the mistress who had long since made her free and had become so strongly attached to her that the nubian's interests were little less regarded than her own her sound keen judgment and natural wit had gained a certain renown in the palace and as cleopatra often condescended to rouse her to an apt answer antony had done so too and since the slight crook in the back which he had from childhood had grown into a hump he gave her the name of isopian the female aesop all the queen's attendants now used it and though others of lower rank did the same she permitted it though her ready wit would have supplied her tongue with a retort sharp enough to respond to any word which displeased her but she knew the life and fables of aesop who had also once been a slave and deemed it an honour to be compared with him when charmian had left cleopatra and sought her chamber she found barine sound asleep but anukis was awaiting her and her mistress told her with what deep anxiety for barine she had quitted the presence of the queen she knew that the nubian was fond of the young matron whom in her childhood she had carried in her arms and whose father leonax had often jested with her the maid had watched her career with much interest and while barine had been her mistress's guest her efforts to amuse and soothe her were unceasing she had gone every morning to berenike to ask tidings of dion's health and always brought favourable news anukis knew philostratus and his brother too and as she liked antony who jested with her so kindly she grieved to see 
an unprincipled fellow like alexis his chief confidant she knew the plots with which the syrian had persecuted barine and when charmian told her that the queen had committed the young beauty's fate to this man's keeping her dark face grew fairly livid but she forced herself to conceal the terror which the news inspired her mistress was also aware what this choice meant to barine but anukis would have thought it wrong to disturb charmian's sleep by revealing her own distress it was fortunate that she was going early the next morning to seek the aid of archibius whom anukis believed to be the wisest of men but this by no means soothed her she knew the fable of the lion and the mouse which had been told in her home long before the time of the author for whom she was nicknamed and already more than once she had been in a position to render far greater and more powerful persons an important service to soothe charmian to sleep and turn her thoughts in another direction she told her about dion whom she had found much better that day how tenderly he seemed to love barine and how touchingly patient and worthy of her father the daughter of leonax had been after her mistress had fallen asleep she went to the hall where spite of the late hour she expected to meet some of the servants sure of being greeted as a welcome guest when a short time later alexis's body-slave appeared she filled his wine-cup sat down by his side and tried with all the powers at her command to win his confidence and so well did the elderly nubian succeed that marcius a handsome young ligurian after she had gone declared that aesopian's jokes and stories were enough to bring the dead to life and it was as pleasant to talk seriously with the brown-skinned monster as to dally with a fair-haired sweetheart after charmian had left the palace the following morning anukis again sought marcius and learned from him for what purpose and at what hour iris had summoned alexis his master was continually whispering with the languishing macedonian when anukis returned barine seemed troubled because she brought no tidings from her mother and dion but the nubian entreated her to have patience and gave her some books and a spindle that she might have occupation in her solitude she anukis must go to the kitchen because she had heard yesterday that the cook had bought some mushrooms which might be poisonous she knew the fungi and wanted to see them then passing into charmian's chamber she glided through the corridor which connected the apartments of cleopatra's confidential attendants and slipped into iris's room when alexis entered she was concealed behind one of the hangings which covered the walls of the reception-room after the syrian had retired and iris had been called away anukis returned to barine and said that the mushrooms had really been poisonous and of the deadliest species they had been cooked and she must go out to seek an antidote since a precious human life might be at stake barine would not wish to keep her go said the latter kindly but if you are the old obliging isopian you won't object to going a little farther and inquiring at the house near the paneum garden added anukis that was already settled longing is also a poison for a loving heart and its antidote is good news with these laughing words she left her favourite but as soon as she was out of doors her black brow became lined with earnest thought and she stood pondering a long time at last she went to the bruchium to hire a donkey to ride to canopus where she hoped to find archibius it was difficult to reach the nearest stand for a great crowd had assembled on the quay between the lochius and the corner of the muses and groups of the common people sailors and slaves were constantly flocking hither 
but she at last forced her way to the spot and while the driver was helping her to mount the animal she had chosen she asked what had attracted the throng and he answered they are tearing down the house of the old museum fungus didymus how can that be cried the startled woman the good old man good repeated the driver scornfully he's a traitor who has caused all the trouble philostratus the brother of the great alexis a friend of mark antony told us so he wanted to prove it so it must be true hear the shouts and how the stones are flying yes yes his granddaughter and her lover set an ambush for the king caesarian they would have killed him but the watch interfered and now he lies wounded on his couch if mighty isis does not lend her aid the young prince's life will soon be over then turning to the donkey he dealt him two severe blows on the right and left haunches shouting hi gray it does one good to hear that royal backs have room for the cudgel too meanwhile the nubian was hesitating whether she should not first turn the donkey to the right and seek didymus but barine was threatened by greater peril and her life was of more value than the welfare of the aged pair this decided the question and she rode forward the donkey and his driver did their best but they came too late for in the little palace at canopus anukis learned from the porter that archibius had gone to the city with his old friend timogenes the historian who lived in rome and seemed to have come to alexandria as an envoy charmian too had been here but also failed to find the master of the house and followed him evil tidings which owing to the loss of time involved might prove fatal if the donkey had only been swifter true archibius's stable was full of fine animals but who was she that she should presume to use them yet she had gained something which rendered her the equal of many who were born free and occupied a higher station the reputation for trustworthiness and wisdom and relying upon this she told the faithful old steward as far as possible what was at stake and soon after he himself took her both mounted on swift mules to the city and the paneum garden he chose the nearest road thither through the gate of the sun and the canopic way usually at this hour it was crowded with people but to-day few persons were astir all the idlers had thronged to the bruchium and the harbour to see the returning ships of the vanquished fleet hear something new witness the demonstrations of joy the sacrifices and processions and if fortune favoured meet the queen and relieve their overflowing hearts by acclamations when the carriage turned towards the left and approached the paneum progress for the first time became difficult a dense crowd had gathered around the hill on whose summit the sanctuary of pan dominated the spacious garden anukis's eye perceived the tall figure of philostratus was the mischief-maker everywhere this time he seemed to encounter opposition for loud shouts interrupted his words just as the carriage passed he pointed to the row of houses in which the widow of leonax lived but violent resistance followed the gesture anukis perceived what restrained the crowd for as the equipage approached its destination a body of armed youths stopped it their finely formed limbs steeled by the training of the palestra and the raven chestnut and golden locks floating around their well-shaped heads were indeed beautiful they were a band of the ephebi formerly commanded by archibius and to whose leadership more recently dion had been elected the youths had heard what had occurred that imprisonment perhaps even worse disaster threatened him at any other time it would scarcely have been possible to oppose the decree of the government and guard their imperiled friend but in these dark days the rulers must deal with them 
though they were loyal to the queen and had resolved spite of her defeat to support her cause as soon as she needed them they would not suffer dion to be punished for a crime which in their eyes was an honour their determination to protect him grew more eager with every vexatious delay on the part of the city council to deal with a matter which concerned one of their own body they had not yet decided whether to demand a full pardon or only a mild sentence for the man who had wounded the king of kings the son of the sovereign moreover the quiet caesarian still subject to his tutor had not understood how to win the favour of the ephebi the weakling never appeared in the palestra which even the great mark antony did not disdain to visit the latter had more than once given the youths assembled there proofs of his giant strength and his son antyllus also frequently shared their exercises dion had merely dealt caesarian with his clenched fist one of the blows which every one must encounter in the arena philotus of amphissa the pupil of didymus had been the first to inform them of the attack and with fiery zeal had used his utmost power to atone for the wrong done to his master's granddaughter his appeal had roused the most eager sympathy the ephebi believed themselves strong enough to defend their friend against any one and if the worst should come they knew they would be sustained by the council the exegetus the captain of the guard a brave macedonian who had once been an ornament of their own band and the numerous clients of dion and his family there was not a single weakling among them they had already found an opportunity to prove this for though they had arrived too late to protect didymus's property from injury they had checked the fury of the mob whose passions philostratus had aroused and forced back the crowd whom the syrian led to barine's dwelling to devote it to the same fate another equipage was already standing before the door of berenike's house one of the carriages which were always at the disposal of the queen's officials when anukis left archibius's vehicle had some of alexis's myrmidons arrived or was he himself on the way to examine dion or even arrest him the driver like all the palace servants knew anukis and she learned from him that he had brought gorgias the architect anukis had never met the letter though during the rebuilding of caesarian's apartments she had often seen him and heard much of him among other things that dion's beautiful palace was his work he was a friend of the wounded man so she need not fear him when she entered the atrium she heard that berenike had gone out to drive with archibius and his roman friend the leech had forbidden his patient to see many visitors no one had been admitted except gorgias and one of dion's freedmen but time pressed people of the same rank and disposition understand one another the old porter and the nubian were both loyal to their employers and moreover were natives of the same country so it required only a few words to persuade the doorkeeper to conduct her without delay to the bedside of the wounded man the freedman a tall weather-beaten greybeard simply clad who looked like a pilot was waiting outside the sick-room he had not yet been admitted to dion's presence but this did not appear to vex him for he stood leaning quietly against the wall beside the door gazing at the broad-brimmed sailor's hat which he was slowly turning in his hands scarcely had dion heard anukis's name when an eager letter come in reached her ears through the half-open door the nubian waited to be summoned but her dark face must have showed distinctly that something important and urgent had brought her here for the wounded man added to his first words of greeting the expression of a fear that she had no good news 
Her reply was an eager nod of assent, accompanied by a doubtful glance at Gorgias, and Dion now curtly told the architect the name of the newcomer and assured her that his friend might hear everything, even the greatest secret anukis uttered a sigh of relief and then in a tone of the most earnest warning poured forth the story of the impending danger she would not be satisfied when he spoke of the ephebi who were ready to defend him and the council which would make the cause of one of its members its own but entreated him to seek some safe place of refuge no matter where for powers against whom no resistance would avail were stretching their hands towards him even this statement however proved useless for dion was convinced that the influence of his uncle the keeper of the seal would guard him from any serious danger then anukis resolved to confess what she had overheard but she told the story without mentioning barine and the peril threatening her also finally with all the warmth of a really anxious heart she entreated him to heed her warning even while she was still speaking the friends exchanged significant glances but scarcely had the last words fallen from her lips when the giant figure of the freedman passed through the door which had remained open you here pyrrhus cried the wounded man kindly yes master it is i replied the stalwart fellow twirling his sailor hat still faster listening isn't exactly my trade and i don't usually enter your presence uninvited but i couldn't help hearing what came through the door and the croaking of the old raven drew me in i wish you had heard more cheerful things replied dion but the brown-skinned bird of ill omen usually sings pleasant songs and they all come from a faithful heart but when my silent pyrrhus opens his mouth so far something important must surely follow and you can speak freely in her presence the sailor cleared his throat gripped his coarse felt hat in his sinewy hands and said in such a tremulous embarrassed tone that his heavy chin quivered and his voice sometimes faltered if the woman is to be trusted you must leave here master and seek some safe hiding-place i came to offer one on my way i heard your name it was said that you had wounded the queen's son and it might cost you your life then i thought no no not that so long as pyrrhus lives who taught his young master dion to use the oars and to set his first sail pyrrhus and his family why repeat what we both know well enough from my first boat and the land on our island to the liberty you bestowed upon us we owe everything to your father and to you and a blessing has rested upon your gift and our labour and what is mine is yours no more words are needed you know our cliff beyond the alveus steganus north of the great harbour the isle of serpents it is quickly gained by any one who knows the course through the water but is as inaccessible to others as the moon and stars people are afraid of the mere name though we rid the island of the vermin long ago my boys dionysus dionychus and dionychus they all have dion in their name are waiting in the fish market and when it grows dusk here the wounded man interrupted the speaker by holding out his hand and thanking him warmly for his fidelity and kindness though he refused the well-meant invitation he admitted that he knew no safer hiding-place than the cliff surrounded by fluttering seagulls where pyrrhus lived with his family and earned abundant support by fishing and serving as a pilot but anxiety concerning his future wife prevented his leaving the city End of chapter thirteen part one